Rock and Roll Death Brigade Podcast with Randy Rocket Cody. Rock, it's time to jam, y'all. Freak, get up against the wall. And last oh, well, all right. It's Rock and Roll Death Brigade Podcast with me. Randy Rocket Cody of TheMetalDen.com. It is November 16th, 2022, Wednesday. Hope everyone's doing good out there and having a good week so far. Uh, We've got a lot of ground to cover here before we get rocking with some music. Uh, Of course, the the big story that's been going on the past week in the rock and roll uh, news media online and radio has been the uh, story that I broke at TheMetalDen.com about uh, the potential of Vince Neil being replaced by former Creed vocalist Scott Stapp. Now, of course, Ricky Rackman, the former MTV uh, host for Headbangers Ball, program he came out and on tiktok released a tiktok uh, that's uh as well as his twitter it's been on twitter he's got fifty thousand followers on twitter but i mean tons of people are seeing this all over uh it's been put on websites and so this is becoming viral but uh ricky rockman saying that he would shave his head if if scott Stapp joins motley Crue. so we're going to hold you to that Ricky, if, if he does get the gig, okay? Now, what we also have to uh, announce is the uh, news that there's apparently a top six contenders for the, uh, the new job as singer in Motley Crue. And that's uh, who I'm going to give you all six names right now. Uh, pretty cool stuff here. Uh, the first name I've I've been given is London Legrand, and I'll give you their ages as well. London Legrand used to sing in Brides of uh, Destruction. He's fifty six. Michael Starr, you know him from Steel Panther. He's fifty seven. John Karabi, who formerly sang for Motley Crue, 63. Scott Stapp, formerly of Creed, he is 49. So now you're getting to the younger end of the list. Next on the list of the top six, Neil Jason Wharton, the son of Vince Neil. 44. And finally, the last name of the top six is Timmy Craven, who's a singer for a Motley uh, Crew tribute band called Motley Inc. So check him out on YouTube. You can check out all these uh, singers, uh, their music on Spotify, YouTube, by just typing in their names. Uh... And, and you're going to be able to make a decision for yourself. Who do you think should be the, the new singer for Motley Crue? 
these are six great names, right? I mean, very, very, very uh, different range of talent, you know, that you can choose from, that you can bring in, obviously have an audition. I know that, um, you know, Nikki's getting real serious about the fact that, hey, this is, this is all eyes on me right now. And we've made the move, you know, mixed, mixed in replaced by john five that's that's been done and i was the first site to break that to everybody remember i you know in terms of breaking it big it was it came out through originally through the metal sludge and this jason green guy but nobody knows who the hell they are and nobody would have known anything about the story had i not picked it up wrote a story about how it's doubling down now because you've given us a name to the source of the story, and this gentleman appeared on YouTube, this Jason Green, who I'd never heard of before, but we doubled down on it, put the story out, and it got picked up everywhere. I mean, all the iHeartRadio sites across the nation here in America, uh, it blew up so big that Motley Crue, they had to put out, a, they had to, to answer to that and admit that, yes, that is indeed what has happened. John 5 has replaced McMars. So now that, that I was right about that, now we've put out this, um, this uh, what you're getting a top six with the Scott Stapp, in, in respect to uh, Scott Stapp, who I should say and let you know is, is performing at uh, the upcoming event here on Saturday. It is... St. Peak Bike Fest on Saturday, November 19th. And that's going to be uh, it's going to be a event that goes from November 17th through the 20th presented by Burt's Barracuda and Burt's Black Widow Harley Davidson. Uh, this four-day event is <clears throat> one of the biggest rallies uh, and best rallies going in, in the world. Uh, it's hosted by Orange County Choppers, Roadhouse and Museum with incredible packages available at Rumfish Beach Resort by Tradewinds, the official hotel St. Peak Bike Fest. So come out and watch uh, Scott Stapp rock out the sickest Creed classics plus his latest solo music on Saturday, November 19th, along with pulling out a surprise or two that will rock you to your core. Presented by Burt's Barracuda. So definitely, uh, you know, you want to get out and check out some cool bikes and, and get out and check out who might, he might be the, the future singer of Motley Crue. This is, it's starting to pick up some heat. This guy's talented. He's sold millions and millions of albums with Creed. He's had 11 number one singles. You know, Scott Stapp is not anyone to fool around with. I'm going to jam a song, uh, I believe it's called Red Clouds, off of, I believe it's his last album. And that was <clears throat> where the connection, from what I'm being told, um, is it, it, that's where uh, his connection with Motley Crue is, is where it comes from. And that is the uh, producer, Marty Fredrickson. And so Marty has worked with Scott, okay? Well, Marty also wrote and produced for Vince Neil on uh, Tattoos and Tequila. 
album. So it, they're all they're all in the in you know they're they really respect Scott, and people need to understand that. And Scott's looked at as a joke by a lot of people, but listen to this song. It's called Red Clouds. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. So we're going to play that here in, in the uh, podcast. We're going to jam some other songs as well. Uh, one thing I, I did want to mention uh, before we get rocking with some music, I will be back on uh, uh, the radio on FM Rock Radio Station WQEE 99.1 in Atlanta, Georgia, December 7th, coming up Wednesday, December 7th, with my buddy Ryan O'Neill. We'll be discussing my Dimebag Conspiracy Report, which will come out the next day on December 8th, which is the 18th anniversary of Dimebag's onstage murder. And so my conspiracy brings in all sorts of different uh, occult and... uh, different types of uh, investigation technique forensic included to show you that he has been uh, assassinated this was a a planned execution by the US government and so that's something we're gonna really get into and I know a lot of people are really really excited about that and it's gonna be a big one coming up uh, make sure to check out Nynamian's Dr. Oppenheimer on YouTube. <clears throat> that features Dirk of Megadeth. Shout out to my buddy Chris, who's the bassist. <clears throat> They're uh, kicking butt, man. It's got 2,100 views already on YouTube. So thanks to everybody who's been checking it out. It's their best one yet. It's only been out for a couple weeks, and they've already surpassed videos that they've had out for months. So thank you for making it uh, such a smash success. Um, also, you can check out my hilarious mashup of Scott Stapp and Motley Crue that's available on YouTube as well. It's called One Last Breath That Kill. <laughs> hilarious stuff. You can check that out on YouTube as well. Uh, but before we get rocking with some music here, just want to send out thanks to everyone who's been supporting my work and uh, you know sharing my work on Facebook, if it's TikTok, if it's uh, wherever, man. You know, I appreciate it. I see a lot of people on the Twitter still posting stuff. I've been banned there from now for over a month, but I still still see uh, see the people supporting me there and, you know, showing, showing me love. And so I really appreciate it. Shout out to my buddy Troy on Twitter, who's always reposting my stuff. Uh, really do appreciate it, buddy. And you can find him at End of Century on Twitter, okay? So, um, shout out to all sorts of other people. Man, my brother, uh, Jay, and his family, Charity, Aiden and Anthony, uh, out here in Texas, as well as my uh, lovely wife, Hope, and uh, as well... Man, so many different people that, that follow me and, and support my work out there that whether it's on Facebook or whatnot, it's hard to keep up with it, man. And to be honest with you, I've been drinking beers already, and I'm, so I'm pretty fucking lit up. But I do thank you so much, everyone out there you know, who does take the time to read my reports and to uh, support everything that I do and give me encouragement. It really goes a long way, and, and uh, I couldn't do it without you. 
All right, let's get rocking with some music.
People are going, man, aren't you afraid to, uh, aren't you afraid to tell jokes like that? Don't you have just a small chill that runs through your fucking blood when you tell a story and jokes like that? No. No, folks, because uh, I'm not worried about hell. You know, just think about going to hell? No, no. Because I was married for two fucking years! Hell would be like club, man! Hell would be like a fucking resort, man. Matter of fact, have you been married? It ruins the devil's whole job. He's blown out. He's pissed off. You make him look like a Ronald McDonald with big feet and orange hair. You guys know you're walking down the hall. You're going to hell. He sees you coming. He goes, oh, yeah, here's somebody. Here's somebody I'm going to scare the shit out of and torment. All right. What? Have you been married? Let me take this shit off. Hold on. No, they didn't tell me. Yeah. Oh, come on in. I'll give you the tour anyway. There won't be any surprises here for you, but I'll show you around. Come on in. <laughs> See, over here is where we uh, torment the soul. Whoa. <laughs> well, shit, man. If you've been married, uh, if you've been married, it's just it's not very much I can scare you with down here. You've seen it. What? What? You've been married twice? <laughs> would, would you would you like a job down here? Because huh? if you've been married twice, you qualify for our job employment program here now. We figure anybody who's been married twice can be a tour guide in hell. You can be a tour guide. You can take your own groups. Folks, stick with me. I've been married twice. I know this place pretty fucking well. And I won't lose you on this one. All right, hold on.
this stuff that's going on with the crew because we're going to keep you updated with that as well. Now we're going to dive into this morning's Halloween trick for you. Trick or treat? Well, we got a treat for you. And, of course, we're going to give you this treat, and you're going to have an opportunity to read this story. And we'll talk about that coming up in just a few moments. We're talking about Jack the Ripper. We got a, we got a new report on Jack the Ripper. What is the title, and what can fans expect from this? Randy? Uh, this one is titled Jack the Ripper, The Hellfire Caves, and the Devil. And um, what they can expect is uh, pure terror. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's, you know, how, however those uh, poor prostitutes that were literally taken apart right. uh, on, the, on the streets of uh, London back in 1888. Uh, that's that's pretty much how you're going to feel in terms of because this story just continues to escalate in uh, in just its scope of just being something that is is it's almost hard to comprehend what was really happening uh, and in terms of why this this uh, this person was uh, stalking these women to kill them and to remove their organs what was he what was the whole point of that and so. That's really what this um, this report gets into, and it, it ties in the Hellfire Caves because of uh, anybody that's been following my reporting on this, and, and we're going back, I, I initially named uh, this uh, new prime suspect for Jack the Ripper back in uh, 2018. I named Sir, Fred, Sir Frederick Treves, who was the, um, the lead surgeon there at the Royal London Hospital, uh, Whitechapel Road, which which is where all these slayings took place back in 1888, and they they took place um, roughly um, the five uh, murders took place between a it was a nine week period between Friday the 31st of August and Friday the 9th of November of that year of 1888. So that's a nine week duration of homicides, concluding on the ninth day. So from a numerology standpoint, nine breaks down to three plus three plus three. Three, three, three is half of what? It's the mark of the beast, right? So these are the things that I, that I do besides uh, delving into um, all the certain things that I've been talking about with, with why I really believe with the fact that he was the guy that was at the location there. He was the surgeon that... Uh, was known for performing the appendectomy. He was he was the pioneer of that. So he was an expert at working in the stomach. Wow. And so and I report all that before, but now what I've done is I've taken it to the next level. So now I want to now I'm trying to, to figure out okay what was going on with in terms of the ritual uh, murders that he was committing. Why why exactly was he removing these organs? And so. What I was able to find out and what's in the report and, and gets into it, and it's a three-parter, so this is part one. It's just right. going to give you kind of a catch you back up on what we've been talking about and then and then go into the uh, <clears throat> what's called the, <clears throat> the Hellfire Club. This is a secret society that was uh, the elites were part of uh, back in the uh, 17th, uh, 18th century uh, to now. It still exists. Yes, it's still around. Um 
and uh, very, very, very the top of the top were part of it. There's been it's been rumored, it's been said that Benjamin Franklin was part of it. Although some some outlets will tell you that no, he wasn't. I think it's part of the cover up, but we'll get into that a little bit more as well. But basically, what I found out and what is so um, it's just mind blowing is that where these murders took place with Jack the Ripper. Just on a straight line, I show you on the map in the report, I actually show you, it's a straight line from Whitechapel Road. If you were to get in a car right now from where those murders took place, it would take one hour and you would hit the, hit the Hellfire Caves. Wow. Now the Hellfire Caves, and I, I put a YouTube video on there because a lot of people have never seen or heard about them. There's a presentation in there someone had done on YouTube that had visited caves recently. So I've included that so you can actually see what it's about. But it's a, it's a, it was a man-made uh, salt uh, cave that, uh, that they had dug out literally subterranean so they could uh, – Sir Francis Dashwood, who's a baron. Now, this all ties to the royal family and is important to understand too because that uh, Royal London Hospital in 1990, the late – uh, Queen herself went there with the uh, the name change was put into place, and they put the royal in, into the London Hospital. Okay, so this this gentleman that I've named, Sir Frederick Treves, as the prime suspect. What's most fascinating about him, besides the fact that he actually was a medic during uh, during uh, a war, uh, South African War, I believe it was, um, just like Jeffrey Dahmer was a medic. And so, and I have read some of his journals of of Jack the Ripper. This this Sir Frederick Treves, I got my hands on his journals from that time when he was he was actually in the field and performing. Uh, you know, he, he'd have to amputate you know soldiers' legs and whatnot. Um, he mentions bloodlust, um, and that's terrifying because. I think what we're dealing with here um, is is someone who was a part of this secret society who was um, who was carrying out these ritual murders for uh, for the club, and I believe that these organs were being taken out so they could be put on ice. They would have to be, as I told you before, there was no commercial vehicles at this time. It was raining hard that night, so there would be no. Uh, you know, horse-drawn carriage available. He stayed the night because he lived, I, I've tracked where he was actually living at that point, the suspect, and he would have had to be able to stay there predominantly most of the week at the hospital and, until the weekend, and then he would go home. He was the first one there when they that, that was there to receive the bodies. The police made, yes, the police made hit the hospital there the makeshift morgue. And he was there to receive these these bodies, these women's bodies. Now, what I have figured out is, is that with the caves, the caves themselves represented um, the upper part represented heaven and the lower the lower part represented hell. And this is where they would actually um do hold the the sacrificial uh, ceremonies with prostitutes. 
And so this is where this is where this gets crazier. It's why was this guy taking out these? <clears throat> why were why were these organs being taken out? And where were where did they, where did they go? You know, um, that that's what this this report is all about. And it's getting much deeper into the uh, what really happened beyond just the fact that this guy killed these women. terms of, uh, you know, if you were to take like a kidney or something on that and put on ice, <clears throat> what I figured out was <clears throat> it would, uh, there, it's typically about six hours that it'll last. In some instances, some of, some of the different organs in our body can last up to a day or two on ice and before, and then they could, they won't be rejected. They can be put into another body. Um, but, but, what they also what they also do is at these ritual ceremonies is they actually cannibalize. They actually, yes, and and it, that that is a, another thing of a way of them, um, of of them taking on uh, the energy, and so of a younger person, and uh, and so if you've got these 60, 70 year old elites, you know, and they're trying to live live longer. And that's something that would have been, it's been being performed for thousands of years. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah, I know. And I've heard this story a number of times that way before, even in that time, way before that time, you would have a royalty killing off people and bathing in it so that they would think that we keep them younger, that women would keep younger so that their old husband, the king, would want to look at them instead of some young girl. Mm -hmm. uh, all of this has been going on. These people have been thinking that this was a way to keep their bodies euthanized and everything. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I've heard about this a lot, and, and, and this has been a lot of major stories. You know, this, this story you're telling right now is starting to get out there on the Internet, starting to get on some of the History Channel. So I hope that once they expose this, this doctor as Jack the Ripper, that they give you some kind of credit or, or something for it. Well, I, I don't think that they're ever going to admit to it. Um, it would be too much of an egg on the face of Scotland Yard. Um, Scotland Yard never, never questioned him. They never. You, right. you mean to tell me that Scotland Yard, they're bringing in these women's dead bodies into this Royal London Hospital, this makeshift morgue, the, the location for them to just, you know, bring the bodies to start the investigation, right. and they don't ask the doctor who's staying overnight, who's got a beheading kit inside the, <laughs> the hospital. Right. That you, you, hey, what, what have you been doing for the past six hours? 
You know, can you answer some questions? Nothing. And so um, what I want people to know is in 1888, the Order of St. John was began the same exact year. Now, Sir Frederick Treves became a Knight of Grace of the Order of St. John. Now, you might re that, that name St. John might be familiar to you <clears throat> because in my Black Dahlia investigation, we've got the LAPD detective who was the head of the, uh, the investigation that couldn't solve that one either. And what was his name? His name was John St. John. John St. John, also known as Jigsaw John. Now, he was the guy who famously, out of a thousand of his homicide cases that he worked, closed and solved two-thirds of them. But he couldn't solve the Black Dahlia murder. In fact, he let the woman, uh, he let the, uh, the man, whose name was Man Ray, leave to France and flee without any questioning himself. And uh, so I think it's it's very telling. Very telling. Well, I tell you, it, it's one of those things, it's all connected. And of course, you went on to solve this Jack the Ripper case, Zodiac Killer case, so many, a couple other cases. Are you intended on, uh, you, are you actually one of the most successful detectives ever. Are you ever planning on writing books for these cases or anything? That's a great question. I, you know, I'm, I've been working on the Chris Cornell one. It's been uh, delayed, and a lot of people are asking about that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get the Chris Cornell one finished, but absolutely after I, I get that done, um, I do plan to put one out for each of the uh, for the Zodiac Killer, for the Black Dahlia, and for the Jack the Ripper. There will be three separate ones. Each one will be, for the first time, um, you know, putting forth a, a whole new prime suspect that nobody's heard of. Um, that no one's talked about, and so it's it'll be a very unique read for sure. It definitely will be, and of course, uh, with that, usually movies are turned into. I mean, books are turned into movies, so you'll be happy to be getting a call from LA again. You'll be like, oh, I've been out there before, you guys. This how much I want to get paid. So. Well, I don't know. They haven't they haven't bitten on my Al Capone story yet. Uh, with my grandma being, you know, close friends with Al Capone, I wrote that script in 2016 which is available on Scribd site uh, under uh, public enemy number one. You just uh, okay. type out all those words. And uh, and I, I'm literally, I think I'm the only screenwriter who's, who's named a screenplay that I've, I was looking on the copyrights, copyright and everything. So I'm ready to go. That's uh, the sale, uh, sale tag on that's a 7 million. So they would have to pay or they're not going to get it. Um, and that would set a record in Hollywood. So I don't think they want to give me the record, but yeah, I, I definitely think that it would, it would be a fascinating thing for that to happen. But the reality is, um, looking back at like how um, Howard Hughes was treated, he did he did a gangster movie back in Chicago back in these days that I'm talking about in the 20s, and they banned it because well, I tell you what I know I know that it revealed uh, it revealed what cor corruption there is. Well, in this case, uh, Uh, thank you, bro. I appreciate that. That would be something special. I, and I, I urge anybody out there, you know, to uh, keep an open mind with it because these are just tremendously fascinating stories. Um, and 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 why not get it right uh, for for history's sake? And um, you know, um, nobody, you know, we're not these guys. You know, these guys are gone. They're all gone. Um, 
they're not here anymore. And so the guys that I've named. So I, I just think that, you know, I think that it would be definitely a, a, a smart thing on Hollywood's part in terms of money. People will go crazy for this. about 